everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. This is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. And today is Thursday, March 10th. And today, given that we are celebrating uh, Esther and her life for the month of March, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be born for such a time as this. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks, you guys, for tuning in today. I'm always really glad that you're here. A lot of you are brand new to watching this on video, so welcome. I'm glad that you are finding a brand new format. I hope that you're enjoying watching me and my element here. Since you're able to see me on video, I wanted to recommend a book that I have been reading uh, in my you know spare time. <laughs> In the evenings, so basically at 11 o'clock at night. But I've been uh, reading, I have read through the Federalist Papers, and we just finished Constitution Alive here at the Homeschool Resource Center. I think we're going to get into biblical citizenship. But I discovered this book on the Federalist Papers, and I'm loving it because it's indexed to talk about what's happening in real time with today's political issues. So this is the book. And you guys see this? It's called The Federal Papers, The Federalist Papers in Modern Language by Mary Webster. And uh, I'm enjoying it because you can see why these guys were so passionately in defense of the Constitution. They had a very solid plan and very good reasoning behind the Constitution, all seven articles of the Constitution on the 27 amendments. And it's important that we understand the history of our nation, understand why it's so important that we defend the Constitution. So if you have never read the Federalist Papers, I mean, it really is a slog. It's a tough slog through, but I'm enjoying the Federalist Papers in Modern Language by Mary Webster, and I will link back to that in the show notes today. The other day I was reading, I've been reading through Nehemiah and coming on the show and just taking you guys through some of the things that I've been reading about. And the other day I finished Nehemiah. So like the last part of it is really, uh, you know, how Nehemiah rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem and then the ordering of the people. There's a lot of genealogies in there. It's a fascinating book to get to the end of it. And I just, I'm just reading, reading, reading. And uh, I just kept reading and all of a sudden I'm in Esther. And I got to thinking, this is a great time to be in the book of Esther because Purim is here, of course, Purim meaning lots. And the story of Esther is so powerful for right now, given what's happening. It's the same reason I loved reading Nehemiah for what's going on right now. And so what I wanted to do was take you guys through a little bit of the story of Esther. If you're not familiar, and especially if your children are not familiar with Esther, listen, you guys, we can't pass on what we don't possess. We want our children to know the word of God, to be able to defend it. And we want to be able to do that as well. And so this is an exciting time to study the word of God. And I want to take you right to it. So I'm going to read to you from Esther. And, you know, you can sit back and listen, get yourself a cup of tea, whatever you need to do. But I'm going to read to you from the book of Esther, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it and why I think it's so important that we keep her at the forefront of our minds right now. This is Esther chapter one, starting in the very beginning. These events happened in the days of King Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, Xerxes ruled his empire from his royal throne in the fortress of Susa, which, by the way, would today be modern-day Iraq. I've taught on Esther over the over the last probably 20 years in different places in the country. It's very fascinating to see 
the parallels between what was happening in Esther's time and some of the things that we see happening here, particularly in the Middle East. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persia and Media, as well as the princes and nobles of the provinces. The celebration lasted 180 days, a tremendous display of opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor of his majesty. When it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people, from the greatest to the least who were in the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days and was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings, which were fashioned with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Gold and silver couches stood on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. If you guys have never seen uh, porphyry, it's like a purplish, uh, it's like a, a purplish mineral, and they would mix it together with marble and mother of pearl, and it made this beautiful and very, very expensive pavement, if you can imagine. I, I immediately thought what the Bible says in Revelation about streets of gold in heaven. This was pretty darn close to that. This guy had a lot of money. Uh, drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs, and there was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. By edict of the king, no limits were placed on the drinking, for the king had instructed all his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. At the same time, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of Xerxes. On the seventh day of the feast, when King Xerxes was high in spirits because of the wine, in other words, he was drunk, he told the seven eunuchs who attended him to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. Now, I'm going to stop right there. If your husband was having a party, women, lean in. If your husband was having a party at your house, let's say, you know, it's starting to get nice outside. The trees are budding here in Vancouver, Washington, and barbecue season is just around the corner. You guys heard me tell you that I have a freezer full of organic beef. I'm so glad I did it when I did it. Uh, and and uh, my son makes some of the best hamburgers in the state of Washington. So we're looking at, you know, it's barbecue season coming up. So let's say your husband has a barbecue and there's a whole bunch of people at your house and they're all drunk. And your husband says, hey, baby, I want you to come out here and walk in front of the guys. That's essentially what he was asking. What would you do? Well, Vashti, who was the king's, uh, the queen, the king's wife, essentially, and he had a harem full of women, but this was the, the woman that he chose to be the queen out of all of those women. What you may not understand when it comes to Queen Vashti is she had to have a lot of chutzpah because the king could have killed her at any moment. So listen to verse 12. When they conveyed the king's order to the queen, she refused to come. And this made the king furious and he burned with anger. He immediately consulted with his wise advisors who all knew the Persian laws and customs, for he always asked their advice. And the names of the men, and the list is them, seven nobles in Persia and Media, met with the king regularly and held the highest positions in the empire. What must be done to Queen Vashti? The king demanded, because why? Because he's embarrassed, right? What penalty does the law provide for a queen who refuses to obey the king's orders properly sent through his eunuchs? Memucan answered the king and nobles, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but every noble and citizen throughout your empire. And here we get to the crux of the issue. Verse 17, women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that Queen Vashti has refused to appear before the king. 
Before this day is out, the wives of all the king's nobles throughout Persia and media will hear what the queen did and will start treating their husbands the same way. There will be no end to their contempt and anger. So if it please the king, we suggest you issue a written decree, a law of the Persians and Medes that cannot be revoked. It should order that Queen Vashti be forever banished from the presence of King Xerxes and that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. When this decree is published throughout the king's vast empire, husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, will receive the proper respect from their wives. The king and his nobles thought this made good sense, and so he followed Memucan's counsel. He sent letters to all parts of the empire, to each province in its own script and language, proclaiming that every man should be the ruler of his own home and should say whatever he pleases. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kings and tyrants rule by mandate and edict. It doesn't even feel like we're living in America these days with the ongoing government overreach and tyrannical leadership. Most of us have had moments of feeling helpless because we know something's wrong, but we're not sure what to do about it. An educated citizenry is absolutely necessary for our survival as a free people. Patriot Academy is on the front lines of the mission to educate, train, and inspire millions of citizens to know and live their freedoms, and they stand ready to both equip you personally and also give you the tools to equip others. Here at the Homeschool Resource Center, we just finished six weeks of Constitution Alive. I'm telling you what, people here are fired up. And this is because of Patriot Academy. Patriot Academy's Constitution Coach Program has got online courses and materials that are produced by Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. And throughout these courses, you guys are going to hear from numerous subject matter experts, including historian David Barton and others. Patriot Academy Constitution Training will equip you to be a leader in your community. And you know what? You don't have to know anything about history, the Constitution, or the law to get started. And both of the courses and the coach training are free. Hundreds of thousands of people have participated in Patriots Academy courses with almost 100,000 in 2021 alone. You can find a class today or sign up to be a Constitution coach with Patriot Academy. It's easy. Just go to PatriotAcademy.com. Again, that's PatriotAcademy.com and sign up today to help restore our constitutional republic. All right, so this sets up the story. We all know the story of Queen Esther, right? This, this, this lovely Jewish uh, girl who is the cousin of Mordecai, who becomes quite an incredible figure in the story of Esther's life. But you see that this started because the king was embarrassed. The king felt disrespected by his wife. I think it's fair to say that his wife felt disrespected by 
her husband, she's like, I don't want to be paraded in front of all these drunk guys. But what happens after that, because this guy has full reign of the court, he could pretty much do whatever he wants, is that they decide to do, you know, this kind of turns now into sort of a Cinderella story, right? So they get rid of Vashti, they banish her, which was really nice of the king since he could have had her impaled on a pole and decided not to do that. He banishes her from the kingdom and then he goes out on a search for a new queen. And so the Bible records that Esther was among several beautiful young virgins from whom King Xerxes uh, Xerxes decided to select his new queen. Now, remember, Esther was was orphaned as a child. And so it was her cousin Mordecai that that had cared for her and really raised her. And he told her, when you are taken to the palace, and I'm imagining, you know, Bible scholars have said she could have been as young as 14 years old. Uh, He said, don't tell him that you're a Jew. And the Bible records that in time, Esther, who after I think it was six months of beauty treatments and six months of, it was a whole year, right, of beauty treatments and and, uh, they were very, very careful with what she ate. And then eventually King Xerxes would call each of these women into his chamber, right? So this is a, it's, it's kind of a, I was talking to my husband about the other day. I'm just trying to even put myself in, in Esther's role at that point. Uh, here is this young girl who's preparing for a whole year for basically one night with King Xerxes. And if he pleases her, great, you get to stay in the harem. And if he really likes you, he's going to move you to a different harem. And eventually he's going to, he's going to crown you the queen, which is what happened to Esther. It's an amazing story. And remember that Xerxes gave Haman, who was his uh, kind of his right-hand guy in the kingdom, he gave him great honor. And and while this is unfolding, he's commanding all the officials and wherever he is to kneel at him. And Mordecai, Esther's uh, cousin who works in the gate, won't do it. And this makes Haman so mad that he doesn't think it's enough to destroy Mordecai. He wants all the Jews. I Think about what's happening in the world right now. Because I've said many, many times, you know, what we're facing in so many ways, uh, uh, geopolitically, certainly, and right here in the United States, is spiritual at its root. And Mordecai, who says, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bow to you. I'm not going to participate in this. I, I refuse to do it. And he receives for that just disdain and hate from Haman. And Haman decides, I'm going to destroy all the Jews. And then he goes and he gets the king's permission to carry out this genocide. Now, when the edict against the Jews is issued, Mordecai begins to mourn in sackcloth and ashes. And Esther, who's not aware yet of what Haman wants to do, hears about her cousin's mourning. And she sends one of her servants to inquire. And so Mordecai says, here's what's going on. He sends her back with this edict that, you know, they basically say, listen, in April of next year, um, every single Jew, every woman, every child is going to be annihilated. They give permission from the people in the region to take whatever is left from the Jews. So in other words, if your neighbor is a Jew, you on this particular day, you can kill them and take everything they own. That's how these dudes operate. And Esther, who is a Jew, is the wife and the king uh, and the king's bride. He, she is the queen of all Persia. And so Mordecai is like, you, you got to step in. The Lord's put you here. Now, imagine, imagine that you're Esther. The rules are pretty clear at this point, right? She knows exactly how, when it's appropriate for her to talk to the king. She's not even supposed to go to him unless he asks for her. Women were really treated in those days like cattle. And even though 
the Bible records that Xerxes really cared for, and I think probably even loved Esther. Esther was reluctant to approach him because A, it was against the law, right? So she couldn't go before him unless she was invited. I mean, they could kill her for it. And the eunuch reported Esther's response to Mordecai. So basically he went back to Mordecai and said, dude, Esther doesn't want to go before the king. She could die. She has to be invited. Now, this is where Mordecai's famous words come into play. Mordecai then sends word back to Esther and says, listen, don't think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your families, uh, your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is Mordecai who's essentially raised Esther, urging her now to take action. He's saying, you have a much higher purpose than just being the queen. He says, I think that you've attained your royal position for this time in human history. He says, I want you to think about this. God put you here for the express reason that he knew that our people were going to be in trouble. God saw it in advance. Guys, I want you to think about this because we're in a time of crisis right now, a time of existential threats all around the world. We've spent the last two years being absolutely lied to and worn down by tyrannical governments based on uh, lies and uh, outright misuse of power because of COVID-19. And he's saying that she was right there at just the right time. It's no accident that Esther became queen of Persia. She was there for a reason. You guys are here for a reason. Mordecai was right when he talked to Esther. And I am right when I tell you that God is not unaware of the times that we live in. And every single person listening to this has a role to play. I think sometimes it's easy for us to sort of sink back into despair. We look at what's going on around us. You guys heard me say yesterday, I am very frustrated at the lack of discernment that I see in the church right now. And I've been telling you guys, get off the internet. Stop reading, you know, uh, getting your news from Facebook and Instagram and rumble, right? And begin instead to do what Esther did because what Esther ends up doing is she realizes, all right, my people are in trouble. And so Mordecai gives her a choice. He goes, you can either recognize that, uh, that you've come to this position for this time in history, or you can choose to stay silent and try to protect yourself and just hope for the best. But Mordecai knew that God was going to rescue his people no matter what. And so Esther chose obedience. Esther chose to do the, to do the hard thing, to do the scary thing. She chose to risk her life to save the life of her people. You guys, we serve the Lord of heaven's armies. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, that he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In Romans, we read that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And Esther uses her royal position in conjunction with obedience. And those two things came together. And the, for such a time as this becomes uh, words that are echoed in perpetuity because we recognize the importance of what God did through Esther. And of course, you know, I can come back maybe next week and talk to you guys more about Haman. Maybe I'll even do it tomorrow. I might finish the story tomorrow. But it's interesting to make the parallels between Haman, this guy who really was working on behalf of the enemy and hated the people, and Esther, who was working on behalf of the people, on behalf of the Lord and loved the people. And everyone has a Haman. Look around you right now. The, the battle lines are being drawn. You guys heard me say this next year or last year. I think 
you know, someone keeps saying, is this the, is this the end times? Is so-and-so the Antichrist? Listen, we don't know. The Bible says we only know the seasons. We're not going to know the day or the hour. And I don't know what it is that's going on right now, but I can tell you, I do believe that the uniforms are being passed out. God's asking us to take a stand. He's asking us to be able to listen for his voice, to be able to hear him. God loves the people of this world. And we know that because the Bible teaches it in John three sixteen. right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the power of the gospel. But notice that while Haman was doing the devil's work, God had put Esther there to counter it. God set the board and he moved the queen to checkmate the enemy. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, he changes the times and the seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. And we, like Esther, have meaningful choices to make. I love this from GotQuestions.org. I'm going to link back to it today. Quote, we may not have as much power and influence as Esther had, but God has still placed us where he wants us to be for such a time as this. We are not here by accident. We have been given a God-given circle of influence, and we cannot stand idly by while injustice occurs. We must pay attention to what's happening around us and seek God's direction for how he wants to use us. You see, he's placed us in this time, in the position and the place that he wants us to be. And he invites us to confidently join him in his work. And in Esther's day, the duty to save a nation fell to her. And God had given her all that she needed to accomplish the task. And he has done the same for us. Whatever the task he assigns, he will use it for such a time as this. You guys, I know that a lot of you are frustrated right now by what you see happening in the news. I know a lot of you listened to me yesterday talk about the, the, the need for discernment and to recognize that discernment, as Spurgeon said, is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. How can we hear the voice of the Lord and walk in confidence and courage into the next season? We do that by being in his word. And that is how we pass on to the next generation what it means to walk faithfully with the Lord. You guys, God is with you. He's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. And your kids need to know that right now. They need to know that God is on his throne and that he loves them. That is the message of the gospel, that we are loved, that we're loved. I'm going to end with one more thought. I I was on a social media the other day, and, and actually, I know it looks like I'm on there a lot, but I'm really not. There's a whole team of people that helps me run the pages uh, that have my name on them. But I happened to see one comment in particular, and it caught my eye, and I, I was quoting out of Psalm 1, that the, the man who trusts in the Lord is like a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither and whatever he does prospers. And the lady said, uh, why does it say blessed is the man? She said, are women not blessed? I said, well, that, that's a general term. And he means blessed is the person, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. And this woman wanted to just argue back and forth. And I finally just said, listen, I'm really sorry that you're misunderstanding the heart of the creator towards you because he loves you. And that is the message for this generation. That is the message that we can bring. That no matter what happens around us, even when things are difficult, and they are difficult right now, that this world is not our home, you guys. We are just passing through. While we're here, we're here to help. We're here to make things better. We're here to, spread, to, to share the gospel. We're here to have families. We're here to worship the Lord. And outside of that, we say, Lord, is there anything else that you want me to do? And then like Esther, we raise our hands to the heavens and we say, thank you for the assignment, Lord. We're going to trust you. We know that we're here for such a time as this. That's you. 
That's your children. That's your grandchildren. That's the people inside your circle of influence. God wants us to do something. And you are here at just the right time in history, even when it doesn't feel like it. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. Again, don't forget, I'm going to recommend The Federalist Papers in Modern Language to you by Mary Webster. And if you're if you haven't been studying the the history of this country, not the revisionist history, the real history of the country, you're going to find that we really were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And now is the time for us to understand the founders of this country and to defend it. Guys, I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for coming along with me today. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.